0: Welcome back to another episode of Talking with Andrew and Chris I'm Andrew And I'm Chris And today we have another great couple of guests for you We're talking to Rose Colored World And these guys are so cool, so talented And just, just great people
1: Yeah, I had the pleasure of meeting Addison on tour uh, last winter and he showed me nothing but hospitality and kindness and made me feel welcome because I really didn't know anyone and it just shows that, you know, Ray is also just another amazingly awesome and talented person. So I think you guys are really in for a treat with this episode.
0: Yeah, and we want to just take a quick second to say thank you guys so much for all the support you've given us and thanks to Sweet Tea behind the scenes and everyone that can make the show possible because this is our third consecutive month of having a show and let me tell you that by itself was a pipe dream so thank you guys for listening so we can keep this going because we love doing it
1: three months who would have thought three months and and thank you guys all so much for all the support with our band The Stash um, we have a new song coming out in just a few days May 10th so four days from now that song is called Run Into Me and I think you're really going to like it. If you head over to our social media pages at the stash NY, you'll see some teasers, some snippets of the song, and, you know, we're fired up about this one. We did wait a little while to put out a new song because it had to be the right song, and I think that this one is just that.
0: Yeah, and I'd say so. And if you want to get in touch with us uh, for the podcast, we've got Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff, at Podcast or an email, TalkingPodcast at gmail.com, so you know get in touch with us on both
1: and without further ado here is i got you by rose colored
0: world and we're back with Rose Colored World. What's going on, guys?
1: Hey! How's it going? Thank you for, you know, we kind of set this up so last minute, but we really do appreciate you guys just being available and, and ready to hop on. Um, I'm excited to talk to you guys. For sure. Thank you so much for having
2: us. We uh, just woke up a little bit ago here in Los Angeles and recorded some
1: vocals, and now uh, we're talking to you. Nice. What are you guys working on? Uh, we're just finishing up a new single. Okay. Uh, a little birdie told me you guys are doing a song a month is that, is that correct?
2: Yeah, we committed to doing a song a month For the next
1: year And uh, it's pretty ambitious But we're, we're making it work yeah, so, you know, that's honestly something that we're doing in our band as well. Um, we're in a band called The Stash. I know, Ray, we just kind of met over the phone right now. And uh, for us, it's we sort of backlogged a bunch of tracks, and now we're going to start releasing them, you know, to have that, like, ease of mind, not, like, stressing each month to... Uh... Yeah,
0: because we're we're very easily spooked.
3: <laughs> for sure, and I, and I feel, you know, even with us, we do have, you know, a catalog of just so many different ideas, finished and unfinished, and we're just kind of... Uh, focusing on building the narrative, you know, what makes sense to put out consecutively. uh, So everything makes sense for our audience. But yeah, we're just and and then, of course, sometimes you get super inspired and then there is a song that beats all of the other ones. Um, And so we're just consistently trying to put out better and better music.
1: Yeah, you know, I think that's sort of like the double edged sword about this whole one song a month thing, because obviously we all know as songwriters, but maybe some of the listeners don't know. I mean, if you love to write, you're constantly writing you know, and you're always trying to explore new avenues and expand the palette, as I like to call it, of your artistic approach. So sometimes you write that one song, and if you have to wait to put it out three months, well, you might write four songs within that time from when you wrote that, that song that you thought was coming out on this date that trump that one. So it is, it is a tricky line to walk that we've noticed. We've kind of like had to kick some songs to the side that when they first came out, I was like, wow, this is the one. You know,
0: there were so many times we're like, this is the one. And then like a week later, there were another one. We're like, dude, that last one was trash, bro. Yeah, yeah,
2: that that actually happened with uh, I Got You, the the two singles ago. So we had, you know, a whole lineup made for the rest of the year. And then one day we just had a session with our friend Steven and we wrote I Got You. And we're like, okay, this is next. Let's finish this.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, but I think you know for for the best because that song as your second your second single. I mean, the first song, we only had Ray singing, being Snow White. And that was a beautiful track. But I Got You, I think, was a really nice follow-up track because it's a little higher tempo. It kind of kicks a little harder. And you singing Addison as well was something that I didn't know was going to happen. Yeah, it almost
0: like raises your ceiling. Like You listen to the first song and you're like, oh, cool. So it's like guy-girl duo, girl vocalist, guy making music kind of stuff. That's cool. And then, boom, it's like, oh, this dude can sing. And then all of a sudden, this isn't just this like soulful thing. It's like a whole track that's bumping or you want to dance and stuff so I was like wow these guys are pretty capable yeah I like the dynamic
3: I appreciate that yeah I mean ad has a crazy voice um and you know we we had our own separate projects for a long time and we just were writing together kind of every day and decided it would just make the most sense to combine forces uh combine networks the whole thing and and just kind of go for it and it's been really a crazy journey. Like, you know, people have really been taken to it and we've been loving doing it.
1: Yeah. So why don't, why don't you guys actually take us back touching upon, you know, sort of like having your own projects first and then coming together. Like, how, how did you guys meet? Wh- where did you guys first like start to think like, hey, you know, maybe we should write songs together?
2: So we met, actually, uh, I had a show at the Mint in West Hollywood, and I always went out after my shows with my friend Genesee. Um, he's from the Bay. But we decided to go to a Tom Petty jam the day Tom Petty passed away. And Ray was there. And Genesee, we were we were a little lit <laughs> on the night. And uh, we met Ray, and Genesee was like, We're going to make a lot of money with this girl. Like we're going to write. And, you know, fast forward, I think like two weeks later, we had our first session. Uh, We wrote together and then we started dating a while later. And then we just kept writing together. And I started producing for Ray's project um, as well as mine. And we, she had our first show. So so when I met Ray, she was playing just piano and vocals
3: live. And I had just moved to Los Angeles when I met him like six weeks before that from Florida. So I was super new out here and it was just crazy in the time that I'd been here, we had a ton of mutual friends kind of off the bat. So that was just kind of a wild thing. And I was writing with even some of his friends and and stuff like that.
2: And and now the the interesting thing is, is so Ray got booked for this show in Venice um, at this really spiritual gathering. And instead of her playing just piano and vocals, we decided to I'll play the drum pad and sort of DJ the tracks and she'd play the songs. So we got off stage, everybody was dancing, and then they're like, what's your band called? And we were like, oh, wait. I
3: was like, wait, is it a band? What's happening? (laughs) So,
2: So the reason being that Snow White was mainly Ray on it, because that song originally was for Ray's project, and I didn't want to disrupt the flow of that song, so I just added my vocals in to where... I thought it would fit, you know, on the harmonies and things. Um, and then I Got You was the first song that we kind of wrote for the duo.
1: Okay. So, so how long have you guys actually known each other and, and been creating together?
3: So we met October of 2017. Yeah. 2017 that October.
2: Yeah, and, and the, this project is actually only about six months old. So once we decided to do this project, we literally didn't leave our house and the studio. Um, we just kept our heads down and worked every day. And now we're going out, you know, to different events to meet people and sell the project. Nice.
1: Yeah, no, that um that that's actually you know that's it's funny to see how how fast things move out there. You know, uh, we're we're upstate mm-hmm. boys, so I've always known. Andrew in my area. And when I started my new band, I only had like five people to pick
0: from (laughs) to start this new band. And and I'll tell you when he picked me, I should not have been the number one pick.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I just, at that point, I just wanted a friend. I was so tired of past projects failing because, you know, like when you have just too many talented people, sometimes it's hard to coordinate and get on the same page. You know, everyone wants to be a a quote unquote Mm -hmm. superstar. And uh, so, so it's just always interesting for me to hear about like the LA experience. There's, there's gotta be just in any bar, just there's everyone sitting at that bar seat has a story. I feel that whether they're a screenwriter, you know, so. It's like that, that saying that no one's from
0: LA.
2: Totally. And that's why we kind of had to make the decision to do this. And it wasn't just like, okay, we'll do this project and we'll do our solo stuff. It was like a conscious decision that this is going to be our full-time gig now and um put all our energy into it because like you said there are so many people out here and that hurts you and and is good for you you know i'm from long island originally so i totally get the you know not a ton of people that are at the caliber that you're trying to use to put a band together so and and i haven't been in a band in probably 10 years you know so this is the first time being in a group um and it's just really nice to be on the same page with someone and work is hard and, and work ethic and things like that.
3: I think the, the most important part, you know, with us coming together was really dropping ego and leaving it at the door for every session. Um and, and sometimes that can get crazy, especially being in L.A., you have all these energies of, like you said, everybody wants to be the superstar. Everybody wants to be, you know, the main event. And for us, it's like if we knew that we were doing it just for the art and like what melody do we actually subjectively think is the best? Not like, oh, I came up with it. So then therefore it has to be mine. It's like, oh, no, that's actually way sicker. <laughs> like we should use that. And- yeah. And I think it's just going uh, back to, like, w- the why are we doing this? You know, why are we making art? Why are we making music? And it's to make people feel, right? It's to make for, – for many different reasons. Um, but I think it goes down to not getting caught up in the L.A. stuff. Not And you're more powerful, I believe, in numbers. You know, like, that's why I think bands are so great. Uh, is because you have so many more people to hold you accountable and you have more people to, um, you know, say, hey, that's whack or, hey, that's great. And
2: we kind of X'd out any other people. Um, so from start to finish, you know, we're, we're making these records ourselves. Um, occasionally we'll have our good friend John mix it. But besides that, you know, we're, we're doing everything. So we're, we kind of just make the music that we love and we hope it resonates with, you know, other people.
1: No, totally. You know, I really like that. Put the ego aside because, you know, we're also doing the I guess you can call it like a song challenge, the one song a month thing. And um, <laughs> one of the things that I found when we were really in a groove, the music, we were expanding and sort of cr- coming up with our own unique sound but lyrically it's just when you have to write like a new song every day because we we, uh, we go to the studio every day I, I was running out of things to say so i i did essentially have to put my ego aside and let t sweet tea get in and be like hey man like let's change this melody up maybe let's work with this word and, and i gotta say the last three songs doing that have have garnished the best results absolutely i know i totally agree with that and and now we're at the point
2: where we're open to you know, doing co-writes. So when I moved here, I signed a publishing deal and I was in session every day writing with different people and I kind of got burnt out on that so but now that we have identified our sound and our vibe together now we feel it's safe to bring in a select people that that we mess with and and like hanging out with because the sound is established so no one could really be like oh well let's try this this is who you should be but it's like no this is who we are and it's obviously working you know right now have you guys played shows as Rose Colored World? So we we've been doing one um, show a month, but it's more of like a release party that we've been planning together. Um, our first full set actually was in Alabama.
0: <laughs> wow! <laughs> Do you remember yeah. the town name? Because that's that's very important. Yeah, in the it was south. in
3: it was in uh, Orange Beach, uh, wait, Alabama. Wait
0: wait, 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 hold on, hold on. There's a place in Alabama. There's a town in Alabama with the word beach in it.
3: <laughs> Believe it or not. And, yeah, it was, it was right on the water. It's beautiful. It's on oh, the wow. Gulf. And it's soft sand, really white. And everyone is super friendly. It's, the people that own houses there, it's like they've been there kind of always, you know. We, we pretty um, much had the
2: craziest. Ex- oh, I'll hook you up, man. Yeah, yeah dude. Get <laughs> us in touch with that promoter. Thanks, man. We had, the crazy, we had the craziest experience because normally, you know, when you tour, you rent a van or you fly places. But in this scenario, we just because it's the two of us, and you know we're dating, we were able to kind of. I mean, we took an Uber from New Orleans to Alabama, and and took Greyhounds. Yeah, we took.
3: It was. It was. It was wild. Movie ass.
1: How far of a drive is that?
2: Uh, two and a half hours. Yeah.
0: Okay. Damn, that dude was. That dude was down. He was down. He He was was
3: down down. with it. He was like,
0: listen, I'm trying to get out of here too, so let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. But we were taking
2: Greyhounds for six hours, going to Tallahassee, going to Fort Lauderdale. But it it definitely helped us with our chops, you know. So our first LA show is next Thursday at the Peppermint Club. We're headlining there for uh, the release of Drippin' Gold and it's Ray's birthday. Yeah. Oh, very and also,
3: cool. yeah, it's going to be a fun night, just a big celebration of of everything. But a little backstory, you know, on me and, and why we even stopped in Tallahassee is I went to Florida State, um, got in for classical music for vocal performance and was singing Italian opera every single day and <laughs> realized that was absolutely not what I wanted to do even a little bit with my life. Um, but it was really great because it really trained me vocally. And then when I was halfway through school, I realized... Um, you know, this, this, had this realization and picked up writing as a major. And so it was really crazy because I was in these rhetoric classes, these poetry classes, these existential thinking classes, and it really leveled me up lyrically and what I wanted to say to people. And it gave me a lot of time to write down like, as this artist and as this entity, like, what exactly do I want to tell people? You know, like what, what stories do I want to say? What have I been through? So I, I have had kind of a list of topics and, and little things that we dive into. Um, and Addison his experience being in LA and we kind of write from those things, you know, it is as much as it's dance and it's fun and we're having a good time. Like there is truth to, to everything that's being said.
1: Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, I'm I'm glad you sort of touched upon sort of like a a light genre because I do feel the dance, but you guys offer so much more. So I'm actually curious to see like how you guys would describe your sound to someone who maybe is just hearing you for the first time listening to this
0: episode. Yeah, and we don't, you know, we don't like to pigeonhole things, but like if you could sure. give like a, a general genre, you know. Oh
1: yeah, we hate the pigeonhole cuz we ourselves like we, we we dabble into EDM, we dabble into classic pop rock roots, you know, like we just it's yeah. all generally pop, but like what We have got computers, we've got
0: guitars, there's no genre for both exactly. of those things.
2: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's how that's how we feel. I feel if we were to categorize it it's indie pop. Okay. Um cool maybe
4: even
3: indie pop dance yeah yeah
2: because like even even the word indie means so many things (laughs) i know but we do have (laughs) a song um that's going to be coming out called just begun that is definitely more has a more rock edge we actually were inspired by the tv show riverdale right we were watching it and i just loved the drama and the music that was in it so We wrote this song for it, really. And uh, we've been trying to get it into the right hands to get it in the show. But people were responding so well just at our house from it that we're like, yo, fuck it. Like, we could do whatever we want. Let's put this one out too. True. And then
3: have them
0: ask you to put it in their show.
2: Exactly. And
3: also, like, we both came from a completely organic instrument background. You know, I was always playing uh, my keys and singing. And Addison was in bands and, you know, touring in the pop punk era and that whole thing, you know, so we come from real organic sound. And I think even though right now, electro pop even is, is flourishing, I like to have those elements, but still like we are true artists, you know, in, in the way we play instruments, it's not all digital.
2: And that's why I think, you know, it does come across, like you guys said, like, sure, it makes you dance, but like we're still taking the approach of of just songwriting you know yeah
0: it's it's just like like um I feel like an artist that comes to mind like that is like John Mayer like one day he puts out you know New Light which is like this really produced poppy song that just kind of like keeps you bopping back and forth like wow this is a bop and then a few weeks later he puts out Guess I Just Feel Like and it's just a soulful rock jam and you're like wow this dude like and and everyone is just like oh John Mayer is just a pop guy and I'm like, yeah, well, he, he kind of shreds, exactly.
3: though. He tricked everybody. He was like, I'm going to put out your body as Wonderland and then become the greatest guitar player of all time yeah. overnight. And people what are am- just like, wait, what the hell? Like, an amazing – first of all, amazing marketing, but also amazing musician. I've I've seen John Mayer uh, probably like five times in my life, maybe Jalous. more. And and uh, with uh, The Grateful Dead is Dead and Company. And, man, he just – he just gets it. He totally transcends. So. I'm,
0: yeah, I'm convinced that he like has life figured out. Cause like aside from just being a musical genius, like if you follow him on Instagram, he's also a comedic genius.
3: Yeah, yeah. current mood. He's killing so it. Good. I mean, current
0: mood. But even just his random Instagram stories, like parking his sliders or like eating oh, uh, so good. eating Christmas candy out of the garbage, like he's hilarious. Oh, yeah.
2: What I loved is when everybody was doing the Spotify numbers and he posted. The picture. Oh yeah, of, and it had like like, like ten monthly
0: yeah, listeners and like yeah, twenty yeah. minutes
3: or whatever. <laughs> it was like 180 fans. Like, yeah, it, so was I
0: it was amazing. was like, oh, that. truly humbled by this year. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, so good.
1: I learned how to set up a Pelican flight case watching his uh, Instagram oh, yeah. story one night. <laughs> Not that that's I have great. one, but now I can <laughs> safely package my laptop anywhere I need to go. So thanks, that's John. John Mayer. Awesome. Dude, he put Thank up a
0: behind the scenes video of how he made New Light on YouTube. A vertical video with full black bars on the side, if you're watching a horizontal. And he's like, yeah, he starts it with like, that. oh, we're doing it vertical? All right, fine. And he just does the video. <laughs> it's hilarious. I would really love to believe that he's in charge of all of those ideas. If he's not, I'm going to be heartbroken.
2: Yeah, and I mean, it's one of those things that's always a catch-22, because as a new artist, you watch that, right? And a lot of kids will be like, oh, I could just do that. Mm-hmm. But then on the other side, it's like, well, when you're John Mayer, you could you know you can really do whatever video, you want when you're yeah, John Mayer you could do it yeah
1: you yeah. can tape everything on your old GoPro and it's going to be fine <laughs> right. so so John Mayer I think is a great way to sort of ask you guys this question right so i i personally think though that John Mayer's first album Room for Squares are, are we all familiar with it yeah mm-hmm. Yes. it's a little safe it's a little you know as they like to say like close to the waist like he, there's really you know the guitar is there but it's not like he two albums later is putting out what was continuum two albums later you know Something so like that. so like i think like john mayer is a great example but i i feel like for a new artist i don't know if it would work for a new artist to be that haphazard all over the place I'm, i'd be curious I to see someone works. try sure i
2: think it works in which is obviously slim nowadays but in that era it was like major label finds this great guitarist young singer songwriter with a unique voice and of course they're going to keep it safe right they're pumping a shit ton of money into you they want everybody to like cool yeah we got the hit we have bodies of wonderland you know but then once the the um the control kind of moved over i feel to john mayer's hands then he was like, oh, wait, this is what I want to do. Obviously, right. he probably still had an A&R, you know, that was
3: helping. I mean, he went to Berklee College of Music in Boston, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, to get in for as a guitar as your, your key instrument, uh, that's pretty freaking impressive. Um, yeah, I, and he I don't up think the
0: guitar is like that common of an instrument. I don't think so. Yeah, you know?
3: Well. He, but he blew up, you know, <laughs> no, obviously it's a common instrument, but to shred the way he does like a modern day Eric Clapton, that's some next level shit. That's and, what I'm saying. and that's more what I'm saying. Um, and he, you know, I've seen videos of him even when he's way younger. Um, and your body is a wonderland and, and that whole album kind of blew up on college radio in Boston and gave him his, you know, every girl screaming at the top of their lungs to John Mayer. So once he knew, okay, I have an undeniable fan base, um, you can kind of do whatever you want, you know,
2: And, and during, during that era, we can't forget to talk about, uh, an artist that me and Ray love, which is, we, we kind of know all the deep cuts is Jason Mraz. Thank, Thank you. you.
0: We love Jason oh Mraz. Oh my <laughs> gosh, dude. I'm tired of everyone being like, yo, Ed Sheeran started this like, white guy singing, rapping thing. I'm like, no, he no, didn't. Bro. Are you joking? Even
3: Jack Johnson, people yeah, are but like, Jason Mraz yeah, was, that's
2: true. Was, was the original Ed Sheeran. Uh, Thank you, know, you. I will say, though, Ed Sheeran, not that I can talk shit on Jason Mraz because he's amazing, but Ed Sheeran's songwriting ability is, is just crazy.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm not knocking Ed Sheeran. I'm just saying, like, Jason Mraz. Yeah. I personally so love them
1: all, to be honest with you. I think they're all phenomenal. It's that's yeah. you know, in my weekly rotation, one of them will come up. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Too. And it's
1: funny because then I don't know how I get to EDM. And so, like, with you guys having so much of this dance background, but it seems like you guys have a knowledge, you know, you know you know how Eric Clapton plays because you can compare him to John Mayer. So it seems like what what do you guys listen to? Like what inspired you as like young musicians and what do you take and then try to like craft in your own way in rose colored world?
2: Well, I'll tell you, my project was, I was kind of just in the place where I was doing what I wanted as far as production and keeping it more real, definitely still pop. I've always loved pop music, but it wasn't until I met Ray and a bunch of, you know, up and coming producers and she was bringing me to to places and I was hearing some house music. I was hearing some electronic music and I was like, wait, there's something to like be said like we don't want to ever go too far in either direction and i think that's the the battle like and gold our latest single we we started writing that in brooklyn actually uh when i was on tour with lumen and i met you but we were staying in my friend's brooklyn apartment and it was completely different it was like this indie rock bass line like, like white grungy. stripes yeah. and then when we got home to la I opened it up and I was like, man, this just isn't feeling right. And that's when I kind of pushed it a little more housey, but kept the whole song the same. And uh,
1: it was just strange how your surroundings can do that, you know? Yeah, no. Um. So, so you guys, you guys say you send your songs out to be mixed and mastered, but you guys, you know, you're, you're. You're designing the synths. You're you're doing all that stuff. You're you're creating.
3: Yeah, everything's us. You know. Yeah, and I...
1: Drip and Gold actually was mixed by us as well. So that song from
2: start to finish was us. Yeah, wow, lyrics, that's...
3: music, the production, singing. Um, but but for me personally, you know, with uh different inspirations and stuff, I grew up in South Florida, like Fort Lauderdale, Miami. So I was heavily, heavily in the electronic scene. Uh, just getting super inspired by different. DJs, different artists that were coming up out of that, so I kind of knew what was happening in that world even kind of before LA was, if that makes sense, or or other spaces because they're so uh, up and coming with understanding what's going to happen next in that electronic scene. Um, but then my dad is also a classic rock drummer, and so and Addison's dad's a drummer from New York as well, so we were raised on those records. Like I said, Eric Clapton, we were raised Rolling Stones, Bob Dylan, The Doors. All all of that. So having that fuse, at least for me, from being in Miami and seeing, oh, this is cool electronic to these are some of the foundations of the best artists ever. And fusing that together, I think, really inspired me to want to use all my influences and create something from it.
2: Yeah, because if you take, you know, a song like Drippin' Gold and you were to strip it down and then just get in a room and, and play it as a band, it would still work, you know?
1: Totally, and that's one thing that I saw you contribute to Lumen when you played drums for him on tour. Because if you listen to I Don't Want to Feel on recording, there really isn't a kit on that song. You know, he has snare kick, hats, but it's, it's all electronic. But you, you added this energy that didn't step on the toes of the song, but in fact, I think amplified it to a whole other level. So I'm curious if you're going to bring that to Rose-Colored World at some point. I know that we haven't heard Real Kit on any songs yet, but are there plans for that? Or, or how do you plan on like implementing that in the live show, being such, I would say, an accomplished drummer?
2: Sure. Well, thank you for that, because that's totally my goal when I play drums. It's to just support the song, you know. Um, but for Rose-Colored World, our setup right now is just me and Ray, right? So she's playing keys. Um, I have her plugged into the laptop using the actual sounds from the song. And then I have a drum pad. Um, I have my guitar and I have my laptop and, um, we'll be incorporating, I'm going to bring out a live snare and two live cymbals. And then we're just going to continue to grow that. And, uh, but there definitely will be a point where I see myself having like a custom setup where I have a, a kit where I'm standing, you know what I mean? Um, and then possibly bring in a live drummer um, coming soon. It's just, I don't want to play drums the whole time. Um, so it's like, I kind of want to have a drummer to be able to kind of jump back and forth. Because once that live kit's there for the show, you kind of can't take it away.
1: Right. Well, you, you now also have to tote the line of, of being a drummer and a singer. So that makes total right. sense. Mm-hmm.
2: Sure, sure. And and I definitely do vocals when I play drums Uh, For artists like Lumen, but you know, that's I'm just being the drummer in those
1: situations,
2: so it's a little easier to just chill in the back and sing backgrounds, you know.
1: Totally, and you know, I've always been in bands, like I said, in our area, it was slim pickings, so I was really the only one who ever was the singer. Uh, I've never, I've always wanted someone else who was, you know, amazing at singing who could harmonize with me, but it's just, it's never happened.
0: Well, it's also like when you're as good at singing as you are, it's kind of hard to find that. Oh, stop it. <laughs> no,
1: but seriously, like, how do you guys, like, because it, it's it's such a beautiful blend in your songs, you know, like, it never feels like we're just we're just forcing Addison here because yeah, he hasn't sung yeah, on this song yet. It doesn't yet, feel you know? like, like this
0: is a Ray song, this is an Addison song, it's just all rose-colored world.
1: Exactly. How do you guys tote that line when you're, like, writing and creating these songs?
3: I feel, you know, as we're creating the melodies and the words and we're just kind of riffing off of each other and having a good time, like... Where does it feel comfortable in our registers? you know where does it feel How does it sound to us
2: um and and I love that that comes across to you as the listener because you know we're 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 not forcing like, okay, we need to have Ray on this section. we need to have addison on the you know myself on this section. like you'll hear upcoming records where it is more of me on a song or it is more just Ray on a song yeah. um but yeah, yeah, we kind of we kind of just go with the flow and. We don't want to force our voices on, so and that's again dropping the ego, right? So if there's a record, we have a record called "You Want to Say" where Ray is singing um, most of the song right now. And they'll be if I could pop in and it makes sense and it feels right, then I will do so. And on a song like "Just Begun," the more rock song, like I'm singing mainly on that one. And when it, if it feels right for Ray to come on, great. But we just when, don't force anything yeah. just for the
3: sake of like I need to be on this. It's like when the listener is listening what makes sense to them, you know, like, it's all music, we're writing it together, we're creating it together, we're a part of the process, if our voice might not necessarily be on it 100% or 90%, you know, it doesn't really matter, we both know that we we blend well together and that we have different strengths and different weaknesses and, and that's just that's just it, you know.
1: Right. And whatever serves the song seems to be the uh, the best case for you guys, which, which yep. makes sense. And it seems to be working. And and that kind of made me wonder. I mean, you guys have said, I know at least Addison. Ray, did you ever have a publishing deal or have, have you done the co-writes the same as Addison has?
3: So I just moved out to LA, you know, like right before we met and kind of started writing together. So I never had a pub deal. Um, I was kind of always freaked out by contracts and stuff like that. I had a few people approach me um for different just different things out in LA but to be honest being and I think it's cool to even address this here just being a female out in Los Angeles is a wild thing um and also being one that is unapologetically herself and one that will not compromise who she is for any anything um so I've been in some crazy situations uh being out here of kind of those those moments because well, it still exists it still totally exists uh whether people want to talk about it or not we don't have to get too far into that world but I kind of stayed away from from all that and just kind of wrote from my heart and like I said just stayed with me and my keys and I was having a bunch of sessions uh before Addison and still you know collaborate with with different people but I came from the Miami scene like I said of it was so EDM and I was like doing top lines for a lot of DJs and a lot of producers there for me it felt a little soulless because I am this musician and I am this artist you know I'm like I'm more than just like da 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 on a, on a track and, uh, and
2: I was doing the same thing out here while she was doing that in Miami just just in the pop world right so you'd go in you'd write for an artist maybe it'll get cut probably wouldn't and you're just writing these songs over these beats and and that's when I decided I wanted to produce you know I was like wait we can do this ourselves. Um, And and that's what Rose-Colored World is. It's literally, you know, it's a blank canvas and it wouldn't be there without both of us producing and creating this on our own. It's not like somebody else produced our beat and then we just wrote over it, you know? It's literally every sound, every second of the song you hear is from us and our hands and our souls, you know?
1: Totally, yeah, no, I mean, because you guys have a lot of experience writing, you know, with Ray doing the top lines and you doing the publishing. And so I was just sort of curious and, it, and obviously my answer now is no, it doesn't get in the way because I feel like, you know, doing the whole songwriting thing, maybe if you're working for a label or it's a commission for an artist, they want, let's just use like Jason Derulo as an example, right? Like he has to have a very quick, catchy top 40s hit. And so there's really, I would venture to guess, not much creativity you can do outside of that box. And so I always feel I always wonder how people who sort of write for commission or do the top line thing because they need to get that like, you know, EDM hook that rises and goes into the drop, like I always wonder if that sort of affects their their personal creativity in a sense sort I of mean, like it has to, I feel like. We were just listening to a podcast with John Bellion and was it and the writer is
2: yeah so, <laughs> i love that show <laughs>
3: yeah it's a great it's a great one
2: so i got into i i never heard of him or his podcast but a friend of mine john sadowski it's ross is his best friend and he's like yo, you got to check out his podcast and obviously it's amazing but john bellion he wrote trumpets for his record and then he was like you know what this is a little too pop for me and then he was at a session with derulo um and Derulo's like, yo, if you have any records, you know, send my way, whatever. And he sent it over to him and Derulo was there that night cutting it. But for something like that, it's always mind-blowing because Jason Derulo didn't write an inch of that song, right? He literally just swapped his vocal out. Same thing with Beyonce with... um halo ryan tedder from one republic produced and wrote that whole record and then the consumer the normal person will hear halo right and be like oh my god beyonce's the queen and don't get me wrong she is her voice is amazing she's a great. she performer. is beyonce yes but you know that's a ryan tedder song and it's and and most people will be like oh beyonce's new single halo is amazing and but that'll make your life right so like john bellion could live off of trumpets for a very, very long time, but he was smart. He took, that, he took that song and was able to just take that money and pump it into all of his art.
1: Right, yeah. In the episode, he talks about keep reinvesting into himself and t- to grow with the whole, um, the-, the approach he took. But you know, Ryan Tedder is a great example, because when he writes for other people, I think he has such a great way of separating his voice from the artist he's writing for. So a One Republic song, I don- would never mistake Halo as a One Republic song. Like, there's a song on the first One Direction album, and I was listening to it, and I was like, yo, this sounds just like a Kelly Clarkson song. And then I go back in, and I look at the credits, and look who wrote it. Kelly Clarkson wrote the hook. So- <laughs> So, so for you guys, you know, for for, for you guys, um, you know, ha- has that been something that you've, like, maybe, like, looked back on a song and been like, hmm, maybe we can't put this out because right, it sounds right. too much like so-and-so that I just wrote for? Or oh, yeah. ha-
0: have you had a struggle, uh, like, yeah, you know, like yeah. flirting
1: with that that line of, of like, I just said, like, clearly that was a One Direction song, but I heard so much
0: Kelly Clarkson. Or, or maybe vice versa while you're trying to write something else. You're like, oh, right, this is true. This is too me. Like, I, I don't think this person's going to sing it the way I thought they should.
3: Yeah, I I think I definitely understand that. When, you know, we got a trip to Miami, um, our friend T, who we work with really closely, is a producer from Australia and just a great friend. Uh, we stayed in this dope Airbnb in Miami and we wrote uh for other artists and we definitely, you know, that was a a little bit of a task was I, I would sometimes write something and I'm like, man, this is kind of really us. And I don't necessarily know if this artist would execute this, not even correctly, but just like organically, like it would feel too right. forced. Um, and it happened with with a song, which which was super interesting. And I'm very uh, vocal about that, you know, when when I feel it's not a right fit. But I mean, we wrote probably 15 songs, 20 so- in like a month, just pumping them out uh, with artists. And we did go through that. And I think we're at the space now for us that even if it does sound like us or doesn't, we're kind of ripping that that Band-Aid off and kind of moving that stigma away of like if it came from us and we feel it's great, you know, like we're going to put it out without it being going through a filter, you know, it's like if it's great, it's we should put it out without limiting ourselves, you know?
2: Yeah. And if a song comes out of us that we're like, this isn't for us, we'll definitely try to pitch it because we're, you know, we own the master on everything we do. But I had it the first time I ever had a cut was for this Nickelodeon artist right and it was his first single and i wrote the whole song and i saw on a red carpet event he was like promoting it and it was i was like on youtube in new york and they're asking him like yo you know what's your new single like your first single and he's like yeah it's just my sound you know and it was a super strange feeling because it's like well, no, it's not. You know, I <laughs> don't um, even have a sound, right? I I made this, and but I had to kind of let go of that. You know, if you want to be in the business of doing that, you know, and if you don't, then that's fine too. But yeah, I guess there's a reason
0: why it's called a ghostwriter. Totally, a ghost.
2: Yeah, you're. you're but <laughs> you know what? If that could if that could fund and and we could use that money to funnel into our project for marketing and video and and, and content, then. Sure, you know. Oh yeah, I'm
0: sure that like Max Martin is not as famous a name in, you know, the quote-unquote normie world, but I'm sure he doesn't care because he's No, living I mean he on has more nine. money <laughs> than anyone, you know, any of these yeah. artists. Yeah. And exactly.
2: It's a good place to be and that's what John Bellion did, which is great, you know. Okay, cool. I wrote this one song for Derulo. Good. Now I could just stop writing for other people for the next 5 years and just focus on my stuff.
1: Yeah, and I guess it beats working like a nine to five that's just going to kill your your morale and sort of like suck the life out of you. At least you're still creating music and sharpening those skills. And so that that makes a lot of sense. Um, One thing I want to switch gears to about because we're uh, almost a little over halfway here. I saw you guys had some success at radio with with, uh, I think it was Snow White.
2: Yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting because me coming from the world of a single going to top 40 years ago, which cost like $100,000, um, in this aspect, this this guy at a radio station in- Yeah, his
3: name is Matthew Reed um, and he's at 104.1 uh, in Boston, actually. And he was following my, my Ray Instagram for a while and- and we never messaged, you know, or anything and never spoke, but then started following the Rose Colored World page. And when we had our first single come out, he, you know, spins records, you know, for 1041. And there's this segment where it's like your 15 minutes where they find new artists and they sneak them in the set. So it was super, super dope. It was like a Kesha song. And then us right after in the mix on a Friday.
2: And now he's, he's playing every every one of our new singles. He, he spins, which yeah. is awesome.
3: And, and it's spun like twice when, when it comes out. So it's really nice. Like the debut of it, it usually, you know, he spins them. And we've developed this relationship with him. But, you know, we're hoping that just it, it keeps catching and more and more it'll continue to just keep expanding.
1: Yeah, no. And it sounds like he's putting you up there with good company, too. So that's, that's great to hear. Yeah, we're just super thankful for him. And I'm curious, you know, because I feel radio obviously still is the most powerful way, I would suppose, for for um, people in the pop dance world, especially to get their song out there. But with there being so many other avenues to access music, you know, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, we know all of them, right? Um, how have you found that 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 uh, exposure has helped you guys. Was it was it what you thought it would be? Was it more than you thought it would be? Um, you know, h- how do you find that is integrating into this like modern landscape for you?
2: Yeah, so it's super interesting. I kind of put radio off the table right now, and obviously that was a great, pleasant surprise that he started playing it, but because i've been there and i see what it takes it takes super deep pockets right to go to that level on radio and that's where major labels still go i had an investor that was dumping like i said six figures in and that's only for like three week campaign you know and you need to work these singles for six months sometimes even a year before it breaks on radio so transitioning to spotify we had to kind of dive in and do our homework and, you know, we spent countless days um, reaching out to different playlists that we thought would uh, enjoy our stuff and how we could work together with them. And it's a numbers game, you know, some people don't get back to you. Some people say this isn't the right fit, but you know, Snow White I think is almost at 40,000 streams, which is, you know, amazing accomplishment for our first single. And uh I just think we're still trying to figure out, and a lot of people are, how to transition those streams into fans that are going to show up to your concerts. And that, I think, is the biggest challenge. You know, someone can have three million streams, but go play a venue in Ohio and can't bring 50 people. So there is definitely still a problem with that. And I think we're constantly trying to figure out how to how to convert those numbers, you know.
1: Right yeah you you hear about that all the time now a word that i've been hearing in the past few months is Spotifyers you know they have <laughs> no seriously they have millions yeah, no, of views on on Spotify funny. they have like 2 million monthly listeners but then they go to play a show in their hometown and the same
0: 15 friends
1: they had in high school are still out to the show
0: dude that's exactly. that's just like who we were talking about for Jason Derulo like i've never heard of a Jason Derulo tour or i've never heard anyone be like yo i'm going to a Jason Derulo show and i'm like right he just I've does, only like seen him play like jingle ball yeah, yeah the jingle exactly balls. yeah I've never seen any tour flyer for a Jason Drulo show. And I'm like, so Jason Drulo like has no fans, but everyone knows his hits. And I'm like, and in, in
2: that, that way, if you're, if you're just hitting on radio, you're good. Right. So like the oh, records yeah. are being sold and your radio checks are great. But for artists, like, don't get me wrong. If somebody has 2 million monthly listeners, they're making a, li- a living, you know, you, oh, of you course. $5,000 per, per million streams. If you own a hundred percent of your master. Um, But the songwriters is where we're all fighting for. That's the problem because songwriting, publishing, you don't really make money on streams. So that's why we kind of transitioned into producing our own stuff. So when we get these streaming numbers, that's all our money. Because when I was just writing, I wrote a song for an artist that has 4 million streams. But I mean, that song
1: generated $30,000, but I didn't see $30,000, you know? Right. Right. And at that point, I guess, you know, you have a great voice. You obviously have the talent to write a song capable of of doing that. You might as well do that for yourself.
2: Totally. Especially because, you know, we don't have real jobs. This is what we do. And we've been lucky enough to do that. Um, And it's just about building and, and doing that for ourselves now.
1: No totally um, I guess real quick Before we let you guys go I've noticed A, a very awesome Interesting Looking aesthetic Across all of your artworks and, and your brand As well On social media And that's something That I've been seeing A lot of young artists New artists especially They sort of Live or die By their brand these days You know If you don't have one If it's just like Random iPhone photos Scattered throughout it, your, your appeal On the feed Which is a very important thing As silly as it sounds Maybe might not Get your songs out there Yeah so. it's,
0: it's like Now nowadays obviously everyone can make music everyone's putting music out so you need more than just the music you need not not necessarily like a lifestyle but it's like hey you like the things i like i like the things you like and i'm making music so check me out so i i like like your aesthetic and music goes well together
1: yeah so what's what's your approach been to that because i think it's working
3: um you know there's a few artists that you know me and ad really respect and i noticed a common theme was say i'm i'm leaving a club, right, at two in the morning, and I might be a little lit, right? And I look over at the radio, and I see the artwork on the screen, that just from the artwork, I know who that artist is. I didn't need to read anything, I could be in the backseat where I can't really read. And I could be like, that is a wonder, or that is John Mayer, you know, etc. Like certain people that we really look up to, and I'm saying a wonder because I was actually in, a club, you know, leaving a club in Miami, saw a Wonder's artwork, and was able to identify them. And now is you know one of the greatest bands that I listen to. Um, and I wanted something simple, but still was true to us for our branding, and so we really agreed upon the rose. And as roses wilt and change, our music is gonna grow and evolve and change. Um, And also, if we have 12 singles in a year, there's 12 roses in a dozen. And I and I was like, that's kind of a a play on on society of, you know, having 12 roses, having 12 songs, making it a dozen and and calling it a day for for that chapter of the project.
2: And, And then when it came to our branding, as far as on social media with Instagram, we, you know, we do photography and video as well. So we do all of that stuff ourselves. We'll just have a friend shoot it and then we'll edit everything. But our, our photos and brand is very thought out, you know? And, um, I think we kind of have our brand locked in now and we just kind of want to keep growing on that and, uh, the, the content that we bring, you know, we also like as like, we kind of have this like classy look to us, but then as well, when we make these teaser videos, we'll definitely not take
0: ourselves so serious. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it shows because it all definitely is cohesive and, you know, it just it just works. I don't well, know. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and thank it,
1: you. it comes across as honest, you know, like there's yeah, no very there's no genuine smoke and mirrors. What, what you see is what you get. And that what you get is, you know, it's it's genuine and it's it's very pure in its nature. So yeah, you guys
0: definitely aren't posers. <laughs> <laughs> real real recognize yeah. real. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, and, thank and you uh, appreciate that.
1: No, and, and thank you guys so much for chatting with us again today. We, yeah, we this, really appreciate you taking the time chat. out. Yeah, no, I, I learned a lot, I feel, and I had a great time
0: uh, getting to talk to lot. you guys. I definitely learned a lot. And yeah. thank you so much for shouting out Jason Mraz. That really made my day. Yes, Hi. we love Mraz. So,
1: so, real quick, before we let you guys go, where can our listeners find you, keep up to date with all that you guys in Rose Code World have going on?
2: So, our Instagram is at RCWOfficial. Um, If you want to look us up on Spotify or Google, it's Rose Colored World, all one word. And uh, yeah, our latest single, Drippin' Gold, is out now. And we'll be dropping another song next month.
1: Perfect. And, you know, we'll leave our listeners with Drippin' Gold by Rose Colored World. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you.
4: Thank you. Underneath the sound with the neon lights Smoking in the car as we take a drive I'm tripping, I'm tripping gold I'm tripping, I'm tripping gold I'm tripping, I'm tripping gold gold. and cigarettes, stain on your breath Grave in the cadence of your voice in my head Living for the moments that am I'm tripping, I'm tripping go